What a morning already, amen? God is so good and so present here, and uh, we are so glad you are with us. It has been uh, both services, just a sense of his presence in our midst, and uh, we are seeking the shalom together, and that is our heart in this series, is to be a people that, that says that that when God intervenes, when God interjects, when he begins to do what only he can do in our life, it changes us and it begins to change everything around us. And that's an incredible reality that is so much more often than just what we're used to when we come to church and do business as usual. You know what I mean? Like if you're a visitor, praise God you're here. Uh, If you're a regular, praise God you're here. But my hope is in all of that, that you sense that God wants to do a new thing because he is on the move and doing a new thing in our world right now and definitely within our church. And it's exciting to be a part of. You know, today's also Super Bowl Sunday, the big game. Uh, It's an exciting day. Some of you uh, clearly in this room don't care. Uh, (laughs) uh, Welcome to Talk Back Church. You're, You're welcome. Like if you're like, can I say anything after the worship? You can Amen, hallelujah, clap your hand, all that's accepted, okay, talk back church. So, so let me uh, just, if you didn't know, Chiefs vs. Eagles tonight should be a great matchup. There we go. Where are my Chiefs fans? Who's rooting for the Chiefs? Got a few of them. Who's rooting for the Eagles? All right. Who's just rooting for good commercials? Okay. I mean, the reality is that's why a lot of people tune in. I was looking this up. Over 100 million people last year watched the big game. It's expected to be even bigger this year. 79% of adults in America actually tune in, most often for the commercials. And you know what's interesting this year? Maybe you've already seen this, but there's a marketing campaign that's being run all over the country. It's been happening now for almost a year, and tonight it'll show up at the Super Bowl. It's called He Gets Us. It's this campaign that's actually bringing Jesus through the lens of the Gospels, through the lens of real life, into the center of places that you would least expect Jesus to show up. But that's actually what Jesus does. He often shows up in unexpected ways and and centers himself in the middle of places that are going to create conversation. And so whether you're on board with the campaign or doesn't, really doesn't matter to me, here's what we should be doing. We should be praying and celebrating that this campaign tonight, during the Super Bowl, he gets us, we'll get people Googling who's he, we'll get people chattering about who is this Jesus, what is he about, and, and that's actually a really positive thing, that Jesus is going to be showing up at the center of this thing in a different way. That's what our God does, okay? Now... As we get into his word today, I got to tell you, this is not the message that I thought I would be preaching today. It's the concept, the value. In fact, about a year ago, our uh, church board and our school board adopted some shared values, really talking about like, what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to do this together? And and, and all of those things. And one of those is today. It's this idea that we're Christ-centered. Can you say that with me? We are Christ-centered. Now, the message I thought I was going to preach and the text I thought I was going to use, God on Monday is like, nope. And so I'm really kind of just as excited as you today to see how this thing comes out because it's his. So let me pray. Father, we thank you for what you are going to do, what you already are doing in our hearts. We thank you, Jesus, for how you want to show up in a big game tonight. We we know right now you want to show up through your word. 
Father, we know that you are meant to be the center of our lives and our world. So we invite you now to be the center of this moment. Holy Spirit, move and work. May your word go forth with spirit and power. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. So the word shalom is not a common word, right? It's not something we're used to really understanding. And through the series, we're wanting to remind us that it's a word that means wholeness. It's a word that means peace. It's a word that means everything as it ought to be. That wrongs are made right, that brokenness finds healing and restoration. It's a rich, rich word. Jeremiah 29, 7 is a place where we see that. And uh, it says, but seek the welfare, that's the word shalom, of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for on its behalf, for in its welfare, in its shalom, you shall find yours. If you're taking notes, and I'd highly encourage it today, you can get them on our website as well on the FYI. But if you're taking notes, we are Christ-centered, and shalom shattered becomes shalom restored through Jesus. You see, we live in a fallen, broken world that has a lot of things wrong that, that we can see out there, and sometimes, if we're honest, we can see within us. And that shattered shalom actually finds restoration through Jesus. John 14, verse 26 and 27, Jesus said this, as he's talking to his disciples and talking to us today, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace, say peace. That's that word shalom in the Greek. It's actually Aaronai, but, but that's the word there. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, it's an acknowledgement that we live in a shattered, broken world, that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, ushers his peace, his shalom into our lives. So he restores us, he calls us to be a people that carry that into the world around us, no matter what we're facing. Like we just sang, right? Whether we're in the, the highlands or heartache, we are a people that have Jesus' spirit and power if we're a believer. That's something that changes how we view the world around us. Right now, there's a movie that's entered into the top 10 best time all selling, right? Avatar. Uh, some of you may have seen it. It's, it's one of the few movies that, that, you know, I'm not like a bit, like I'm cheap, right? So, so when I think about going to the movies, I don't think IMAX, I don't think popcorn, you know, like I'm like, how do I get in and out for the least damage, which is really hard nowadays, right? And, and so the reality is like, there is like one franchise that I know I've got to see it in 3D. It's a, the Avatar franchise. Because if you didn't know, they're incredibly expensive movies that, that are actually designed and created to be seen in 3D. And when you put those glasses on, it changes the entire movie and the entire experience. 2009, my wife Cindy and I, we went and saw uh, Avatar, the first one, and uh, literally as we're in it, she's so immersed in this world of Avatar in 3D, we went out to dinner afterwards, and, and she actually, it took her about three or four hours to come back into reality. Like, she would tell you, like, I'm looking at her over, like, an appetizer going, honey, are you okay? And she's, like, kind of like this. And, and so uh, when we saw the second one a few weeks ago, uh, I made the mistake of scheduling dinner after the movie again. And uh, the, it didn't, thankfully, have the same effect. But here's what I wonder. 
Do we realize that when Jesus enters in and the Holy Spirit fills us, that we are actually supposed to now see life through a completely different lens? That, that actually life should take on like this 3D effect because it's not our eyes anymore, it's his eyes. And we begin to see the world around us, we begin to see everything through this Christ-centered lens and what God has for us. As you think about that, I want to read to you a quote by Kyle Eidelman. He's a pastor and an author in a recent book uh, called One at a Time. He says this, 40 times in the Gospels, we read Jesus saw. Jesus saw is the launching point of most of the amazing stories of transformed lives. If we want to have the results Jesus had, those amazing stories, we need to do what Jesus did. And doing what Jesus did begins by seeing what Jesus saw. Come on, church. Turn with me to the book of Acts, and we're going to look at a story in 3D, really, of what happens when a people find Christ in the center of their lives and begin to see like Jesus saw and begin to do the things that Jesus did. Y'all excited? Come on. God's got a plan for our lives, and he is inviting us to center on him. In Acts chapter 3, two gentlemen, disciples of Jesus, Peter and John, are, are actually going by the temple. As they go by this, they see a man who's crippled and a beggar, and he's asking for help. And, and as they engage with him, they engage with him not from their own flesh, their own means. They gain or engage with him out of the overflow of who they are. In verse 5, they actually engage him and they say, look at us. Look at us. Because they saw him, they wanted him to see them and to see Jesus. We pick up in verse 6 and see what happens. It says, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold. So the man is asking for money. He says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. And the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand and he raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. As you look at this, I mean, can you picture it? Here's a man where they look and they, they see him like Jesus. They have the Holy Spirit inside of them. Their lives are being restored. They know that they're to be agents of Jesus's life and overflowing with him to others. And they say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he doesn't just rise up and walk. My man starts leaping and praising God. I mean, can you picture it? Like, he doesn't even think about hiding his testimony. There are some of us that you have been impacted by Jesus, and yet you're hiding your story. You're hiding your testimony. And I just want to encourage you, like, you need to leap. You need to praise. You need to be bolder because there are people and a world out there that needs what God has done in you. And so this man is bringing that and getting out there with it. He's totally impacted by Jesus. Now, if you're taking notes, we are Christ-centered. Say that with me. We are Christ-centered. 
We are walking with Jesus and living out of the overflow of him. That's what the disciples are doing. They've been with Jesus. And they're just living out of the overflow and impacting whoever God is putting in their path. Now, as you look at that, you'd go, oh, man, that, that's, that's amazing. That's what I want for my life. And I hope that's the case. But we got to wrestle with the whole text today because in chapter 4, we're going to see that not everybody likes when things be, start to change. Woo, you ready for this? Because we need a little bit more boldness in our faith, and we're going to find it today as we lean into this story and see what happens next. Because as they're walking with Jesus, and as they're living out of the overflow, there is some backlash for what is unfolding. Chapter 4, verse 1. It says, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. These are the religious leaders, the rulers of the day. Greatly annoyed. Say annoyed. You didn't see that coming, did you? The dude got healed, and yet they're annoyed. Hmm, something's off. Let's find out what's going on. It says, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they arrested them. So we've gone from a, they're annoyed to now let's arrest them. And put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Isn't that amazing? 5,000. You see, even when there is friction, either, even when there is trouble, even when there is persecution, God is still working, still moving, still doing his thing. We need to walk by faith and live out of that overflow and believe it. So 5,000, and this doesn't, this doesn't derail the disciples, this continues to fuel them because they know something that we need to know today. Wherever Jesus is present, there is power ready to be proclaimed. Wherever Jesus is present, there is power ready to be proclaimed. And they're not going to in any way get out of the presence of God. They want to be in his presence. They want to walk with Jesus. They know that if he's present, lives can be changed, can be transformed, can be restored. People can be healed and delivered. Wholeness can happen because our God has power. I grew up in uh, rural Michigan. And uh, some of you are like, oh, bless his heart. And in, in the area I grew up in, uh, there was actually like, we would go, you know, as kids, eight, nine, 10 years old, go hiking through the woods, just like make up our own games and activities and whatever. And uh, I was a weird kid and my, my brother and my friends with me, we were a little, we were a little odd. So, so, so we get out through the woods and of course we've come across this one day, uh, this like hilly area where there's uh, cattle and, and there's an electric fence. And, and you're bored, right? You're like, no, man, you're jacked up. I am. There was power present, right? And guess who was dumb enough to grab on? I grabbed that fence. I wanted to know, like, what can this thing do? And, man, I learned a lesson. It hit me and knocked me back a little bit. I've never forgot it. There was power present. And I, but I didn't know until I grabbed a hold of it and, until it really kind of became mine. Dr. Tony Evans is a pastor in Dallas area. He's got a nationwide ministry. 
And in that, he tells this story about a man when he was out traveling and speaking a number of years ago that actually approached him on a Friday night. It was the host, and he said, hey, I got to introduce you to one of my, my ministers that's in the congregation. Uh, and he's so excited to meet you. He just loves you. So this, this man came, and, and he was so excited to meet his hero, Dr. Tony Evans. And he said, hey, uh, my name is Tony Evans as well. Okay. And he said, I love your teaching. And so every week I listen to, to two or three of your messages every week. It was on cassette then. Some of you remember cassettes? Some of you are like, those were real? <laughs> yes, we grew up on them. And, and so he listened to, on cassettes. And he said, then I go out and I share your messages with others. And it was interesting because Dr. Tony Evans who was the one who knew Jesus in a deep way, who had processed with Jesus and was living out of that overflow, said the results he was getting and I, were, I was getting was very different. Because what God was doing in him and he was grabbing onto with the power was meant for him. You see, you don't need to compare to anybody else. You, you don't need to try to be anybody else. You need to walk with Jesus and grab onto the power he has in your life through the Holy Spirit and not try to imitate, not try to compare or feel bad. You just need to walk in what he's doing in you because he has power ready to be proclaimed through your life as you follow Jesus. Now as that unfolds, notice again, it moved from annoyed to arrested to now they're gonna start really coming against the disciples. They've got some real persecution and trouble. Verse 5, we're going to pick up again. It says, On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they required or inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, like he doesn't hold back. Did you catch that? He's like, yeah, you're, you're the ones that killed him, okay? Just plain as day, bold truth, he says, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved. That is good news. It's the name of Jesus. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. There is so much meat in this section here, and if you're taking notes, we are Christ-centered, and we are watching Jesus work to right wrongs as we walk by faith. You see, there was something wrong in that environment. There was something wrong in that atmosphere. There was something that had happened to those religious leaders that was off, that I think in many ways we might be able to relate to. I want to bring you back here to our whiteboard. 
and I want to illustrate this and show you kind of what I'm talking about. You, you see, it, it said that there were these religious leaders, and they were in charge of the temple. That was a place for God's shalom. This was the place where the people would come to experience his presence, to experience his power, to, to grow in their relationship with God. And, and it mentions them very specifically in verse 5 and 6. You had, uh, it, it says the rulers, which we know those in the case to be the Sadducees primarily. The, these were actually the high priest family. They were those in charge of the sacrifices and, and the temple worship. And, and all of that was facilitating people coming to, to be with God. In addition to the rulers, it mentioned uh, the elders these would actually have been essentially like laity and volunteers. They were people that were there and present to help facilitate the worship and guide it. It also mentioned the scribes. These would probably have primarily been the Pharisees. They were those that um, actually, uh, that should say scribes, um, that, that actually were the legal minds of the day that were often providing interpretation about the law and the things that, that the people needed to know to be right with God. Now, all of this is really good, right? All of this in its essence is really good as far as what it's meant to be and what it's supposed to be. But how many of you know that in life, every good thing, every strength can also have a shadow and can have something negative that begins to happen because of this thing called our flesh? Anybody? And so actually what we find here is that they were now threatened and their pride, their power, their control of the temple. There even is a bit of a territorial spirit that's emerging. Now I'm going to draw this as kind of foundational building blocks. You see, we can start out in a great place and then have even things that are meant to be good and facilitate the right things. But when sin and our flesh get in the way and Jesus isn't in the center, I mean, that's what's unfolding in this passage is you have people that are threatened by Jesus. They don't want him to heal. They don't want him to deliver because then people might leave their temple. Oh, come on, people. Are you awake? Because I don't know about you, but this happens in real life. And it happens in our life, and my guess is maybe your life. You see, it's easy to say, oh, that would never happen to me until we realize that it's our pride and our control and our lust for power and more that keeps us from saying, no, Jesus, you're the center of everything but my bank account. You're the center of everything but my workplace. You're the center of everything, but you fill in the blank. My time, my talent. You see, what Jesus is demonstrating in this passage for us is that he is the chief cornerstone and that when he comes in and begins breaking through this mess and bringing re restoration, it's the cross of Jesus Christ and his, uh-oh, uh-oh. Told you I wasn't an artist. We'll just fix that. We'll act like it didn't even happen. <laughs> that Jesus is the center and that Jesus' death and resurrection literally inverts everything. It turns our life 
It turns everything upside down and suddenly this breaks through and this begins coming back and emerging in ways that are designed for our health and for our wholeness and for our healing. Can you see how good our God is? I mean, this, this is what they were fighting. This is what they were resisting. This is what they did not want to experience. And yet here is Jesus and these believers saying, no, he's it. And whatever he wants to do, we're going to boldly follow him and proclaim it. And the thing about this that's so interesting is verse 13, you may have caught it, I tried to emphasize it on purpose, it says that they're essentially unschooled, untrained, they weren't the cream of the crop. And and you have the, the religious leaders of the day, even in their pride, recognizing that these disciples, they must have been with Jesus, because we know those chumps. That's not actually the Greek translation. Actually, believe it or not, the Greek translation could be uh, taken with a tone of sarcasm of they are idiots, but we know they've been with Jesus. That's amazing to think about because the same thing that they were known for is available to you and I. To, To be with Jesus and to do his will and to do the things that he's asked us to do. He wants to use us. You see, Jesus' people are peacemakers, not just peacekeepers. You see, they walked into that temple situation, and they weren't trying to keep the peace. They were trying to make peace. Yo, my man needs healing? We'll proclaim Jesus. And, and we'll, f- we'll see him healed. We'll see peace and shalom over his life. And then these leaders are saying no to this? Huh. Don't know what to tell you because we're not going to back down on Jesus because we've been with him and we know that he's better than anything that you're trying to offer us. You see, the resurrection of Jesus comes with power in life and it changes everything. N.T. Wright, a scholar and theologian, modern day uh, theologian and author says this, resurrection, you see, is the belief which declares that the living God, the living God is going to put everything right once and for all, that he's going to restore all things to turn the world right way up at last. When we become Christ-centered, he turns our world right way up. Can I get an amen? Amen. And that verse, verse 13, has a key for us, that we must be with Jesus before we start doing. That you and I need to be a people that say, over time, Sunday morning isn't enough. Some of you are bored to death with Sunday mornings. (laughs) You're sitting there going, how do you know? Because I've been sitting where you're sitting. If all there is to the Christian walk is sitting in a service on Sunday morning, we are missing Jesus and what he has for us. This is a launching point. This is a filling station. This is supposed to give you a taste where you then during the week show up. This is the appetizer to the entree that's waiting during the week. That God wants to show up, that, that you then spend time with him and out of the overflow of being with him, you start doing things for Jesus, things that are with boldness, things that are with proclamation and power that are a fulfillment of his plans. I get it. You're bored. You're burned out. Get with Jesus. 
because he has this adventure in this abundant life to offer us. And that's what was changing their world, and it'll change yours and mine. It's to be with him before we do. I, I just want to tell you, you know, I, I came here by God's grace in November of 2020. It's been a little over two years. If I showed up and said, hey, here's all the things we're going to do, I'm pretty sure you would have said, no, we're not. There's the door. Because you don't need man's agenda. You don't need man's strategy. You don't need man's ideas. We need Jesus at the center, leading every step, saying, Here, here's the next thing we're going to do for him, because it's coming out of his heart and his desires. So as we look at this, we'll take it another level, another layer. Let's look at what happens, verse 14. Verse 14 says, But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Don't you know your story and your testimony can't be argued with? Like, for real. What are people going to say? Jesus didn't do that for you? He didn't heal you? He didn't change you? He didn't turn you from a jerk into a saint? Oh, can I use jerk in church? <laughs> I just did. I, I mean, they can't argue with your story. So share your story, right? So they knew, verse 15, it says, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. You read that in, in 2023 and you go, 40's not old. You know, I read that and went, man, I'm old because I'm over 40 now, right? That day and age, they didn't have the lifespan that we have today. And, and so it's acknowledging that within this story is a man who is healed, who is leaping and praising, who would be considered one of their senior citizens because he wouldn't have lived as long back then. It doesn't matter our age. It doesn't matter our stage. It matters, are we going to be with Jesus and boldly proclaim and follow by faith? And they're saying, listen, you're trying to silence us. You're trying to cancel Jesus, and we won't do it. And we live in a culture today that is trying to silence Jesus and is trying to cancel Jesus. So church, it isn't that we need to rise up with a militant spirit that is ready to fight, because let me tell you, God knows how to fight. God can fight far better than you and I. But what it does mean is we need to have a little bit more boldness to realize that there is nothing we can do apart from Jesus and that it's his name and his power and that that is the thing. If nothing else is going our way, if all else fails, we will not give up the name of Jesus or proclaiming him boldly to the world around us. We can't. 
And we have to do that. We have to do that in a spirit like Jesus's. John 1.14, he was full of grace and truth. We do it with grace and truth. We do it with love. But we do not back down and we boldly proclaim, just like they did, who Jesus is and how great he is. So if you're taking notes, we are Christ-centered and we'll speak the name of Jesus over every other name. And I got to ask you the question, are you actually speaking Jesus' name over everything or are you speaking other names? Woo! Politicians' names? celebrities' names, the name of your neighbor, who you got it in their mouth and you shouldn't unless you're praying. Oh, pastor. There's a lot of names that sometimes in the body of Christ we're uttering and we're forgetting the name of Jesus. We need to come out of gossip. We need to come out of backbiting. We need to come out of divisive behavior and be the church that Jesus has called his church to be in this day and age. We are meant to be a people that are proclaiming his name, and when we're saying all those other names, and maybe some four-letter words, anybody in here? <laughs> Don't elbow your neighbor. But when we're saying those things, we're losing the credibility and our witness. So I'm calling you back today, because yeah, we're gonna face trouble. We're going to face things in life that are going to press us and, and pressure us and want us to, to do something else, but Jesus is there and available. John 16, 33, Jesus' words, he said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That is good news, that he has overcome it, that he's able, that we can proclaim his name over every other name. Now, I got to land the plane in the next few minutes. You know what I mean by that? Some of you are pilots. You're like, please don't. That's my job. I, I need to bring us to a close here, all right? So let me, let me get here to the end of this passage in chapter four. Because there's something really important for us to see. Verse 29, they begin praying. Because they're pressed and they're pressured, they're facing trouble, they're facing tribulation, and look how they respond. Verse 29, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all what? Boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. You need to know, as you've been hearing all through this year already in 2023, prayer proceeds and leads us into the presence of God and his power. Prayer is powerful. Verse 32, look at what they do. It says, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. God was unifying them. God was bringing them together. It says, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, 
and it was distributed to each as he had need. Thus Joseph, notice this name here, who was called by the apostles Barnabas, he sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I wanted to point out his name because God led him to give generously. If you're taking notes, to be Christ-centered is to be a people that are praying for boldness and giving generously. And for Joseph, who would later be known as Barnabas, he actually sold something, and then later he shows up in the book of Acts multiple times because God, as Christ-centered his life, he gave up things that allow God to use him in new ways. I don't know what God's going to show you that you need to give generously. It could be your time. It could be your gifts. It could be financially like Joseph did. But when we give generously and are centered on Christ, God begins to use us in new ways. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, I need to really help us. So I'm going to do this quickly. Because their prayer is key for you and I. Because you're going to leave here today and you're going to be facing a world that is anti-Jesus and is anti-his church. Amen? Amen? Notice how they prayed. Their prayer for how they prayed, there was three basic things they did. They said, God, see our trouble, give us boldness in it, and stretch out your hand to help. If you and I could take that with us and walk with Jesus and live out of the overflow, and be a people that just said, God, see our trouble. Because you're going to leave here, and this is the beauty of the story, right? They left the temple, and they go out into the streets. They go out into the community. They're a Christ-centered people that are following Jesus, living out of the overflow, sharing his peace, boldly proclaiming his power, living with that. And yet, in the middle of it, just like you and I, they're saying, God, I'm facing some trouble. Can you see it? And they don't say, fix it. They say, despite it, give us boldness in it. Give us boldness in it, and then stretch out your hand to help. You know, as we think about this today, that's what we're doing. We're centering on Christ. We're saying, God, see my trouble. Give me boldness to live and to be who you've called me to be. And stretch out your hand to help me, because I can't do it without you. So let me ask you three questions to close right now. First, have you received Jesus and centered your life on him? We had somebody in the first service, at least one, that said, I need to recommit my life. I need to surrender. I need to recenter. I don't know where you're at. Maybe for you, you need to receive Jesus for the first time. Maybe for you, you need to recenter and recommit and to say, I need you at the center of my life. Secondly, are you living out of the overflow of a Christ-centered walk? Like, are you ready Monday through Saturday to see your God show up? Because I promise you, he is ready for it. I promise you, he has more for you. And then third, will you ask for boldness to live the life he has for you? Church, we got to let go and quit holding on. We got to quit being ashamed and worried about what other people think. We have an audience of one that's calling us forward today boldly. And so I'm gonna just actually ask right now, if you'll stand right where you're at, if you're able. If you're online, we have a chat host ready and available. We'll have prayer partners up here at the altar. I'm gonna stay up here and available. But I'm gonna ask you as I pray 
to be really bold with Jesus. Maybe you've never left a seat in a church before, and that's your first step is to say, I'm gonna come to the altar. I'm gonna come and ask somebody to pray over me. You know how God is leading you right now, and our heart is that we would never leave the same way we came in. And we get there by how we respond to the Lord in these moments. So Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here, that Jesus, your grace, your mercy, that you are worthy of our worship, that you are the only name by which we are saved. Father, we confess at times that we are prideful and controlling and territorial. We confess that at times we are ashamed of you and worried more about what others think. And in our confession, Father, I pray in our repentance that you would flood us with your spirit today. See our trouble, stretch out your hand, and give us great boldness. We praise and worship you now because you're the only one worthy of our worship. In Jesus' name, amen. The altars are open. Come forward as he leads. Let's respond, church.
says the hope of glory when we're centered on him it changes everything and he is stretching out his hand I believe he sees you right where you're at today whether you're online or in person he knows what you need this week so I'm gonna just pray over you if you're a visitor and you're like whoa what was that it's church it's Jesus at the center and trying to get everything else we can out of the way. So we're glad you're here. We're not going to leave quickly. You're welcome to in a minute. But we'll stay and linger. If you'd like prayer, we'll be up here and available. Visitors, you know, if you're a first-time guest, our welcome center is out those doors. We've got a gift for you. We'd love to connect with you. But for all of us, connect with your brothers and sisters around you. Tell them how they can pray for you. Let's fan each other into flame and encourage this kind of boldness. Because when, if this leaves the room, which it's meant to, Vero and beyond is going to look like a very different 
place. It's gonna look like the kingdom and God's shalom and restoration and wholeness. So Jesus, we give you all the glory. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. Father, keep us centered on you. Be our GPS this week. When we get off course, reroute us and recenter us onto you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in our hearts and in our midst. I do pray again, as they did, that you would see our trouble, you would stretch out your hand, that you would help and you would give us great boldness to live for you. Thank you for what you're doing. May we go now and be your church. In Jesus' name, everyone set? Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Be the church.